Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Welcome back. The station was closed last week, uh, but we're glad to be back here in the station. What's up, Jamie Stams? How you doing? I see you there. Uh, before I introduce my guest this week, the message of the week, and it comes on the tales of Thanksgiving and that idea. Hopefully, you had things to be grateful for. Hopefully, you gave some things. This is a quote from Simon Sinek. Do you know Simon Sinek? Are you familiar with him? We'll talk about him in a minute. I I quote Simon Sinek a lot. He's a great motivational speaker and business mind. And he said, what we do for others has a direct impact on how we feel about ourselves. True. Something that very, yes, very true. Something that uh, my guest today has, uh, through her actions and her businesses and just her approach to life and attitude has, has made me think about a lot. Uh, before we go any further, I'd love to introduce uh, my business partner, a mentor, uh, somebody I've always looked <laughs> up to, roll your eyes, it's true, uh, somebody that's had a big impact on me and taught me so many things, and we've grown together in a lot of ways, Jane Miller Rennert. Hello. Hi. How are you? Welcome. I'm good. So, and we had a good Thanksgiving. We've had Thanksgiving, yes. our families have had Thanksgiving together for, I don't know, five, six, seven years now. I'm not really So sure. many years that we got t-shirts this year. Yes. We made t-shirts. It was awesome. It's true. People's names on them. So it's legit now. It's yeah. A, it's a thing. It's a thing it's with a t-shirts. Thing. It's really awesome. Once you get t-shirts, it's and forever memorialized. Yeah. And that really speaks to the core of what, what I was opening with is that uh, we've, we've We've got a good thing. Uh, it's not always been easy. There have been lots of challenges along the way. Um, but an event, you know, a, a holiday like Thanksgiving, if uh, if the opportunity is taken, you really get that sense of gratitude and, uh, and, and you know, being thankful for all the cool things that have happened and, and hopefully find a way to give something. And you've always demonstrated that for me. I've just seen you do it on so many levels. That it was never about uh, it was it was money was not your your alas, <laughs> not in the businesses alas, that you opened. No. <laughs> uh. We would have taken a different path. Uh. We would have taken a different path if it was all about money. But um, I it, it's hard for me to pinpoint any one person that I've spent a lot of time with over the years that have demonstrated that. Uh, for me more than yourself. So thank you. Oh, sure. You've given that to me. And my hope through uh, through this show and, and a lot of the things that I'm, I'm becoming involved with uh, as of late and hopefully will continue is to, to give that same sense to people to know that, you know, obviously you need to make a certain amount of money. Uh, if you have a lifestyle you want to maintain or just, you know, bare essentials, you, you have to cover that. Um, but if you can do that, while chasing your passion and if that's something you're passionate about which it seems to me like you kind of can't operate any other way um if you if you can figure out a way to monetize that in a sustainable way uh you should go for it yeah uh make the sacrifices you may have to adjust a few things and uh we'll listen you know we'll hear throughout the the course of the show today how jane's worked that out it's again uh through her actions uh, she's really uh, been a big influence on me, and and I've I've tried to mirror some of these things. So she's going to detail for us over the hour. We have time. We're going to take our time. We're going to make some jokes. We're going to make faces, um, and and laugh, and uh, and we'll get there by the end. So I want to start by having you uh, just tell everybody uh, first where you grew up. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan, on the Upper West Side, um, <laughs> on eighty uh, third and West End, and. Um, my father, he passed away last year, but his, he lived in the apartment I grew up in until then. And his, um, wife, my stepmother still lives there. So, um, still a little bit of a connection to that neighborhood. Um, and, but you know, I didn't go to a neighborhood school. Um, when I was, I went to, uh, Hunter college elementary school and Hunter college high school. So across town, but it wasn't, and I had a lot of friends who did live in my community, but, um, and the upper West side back then was like the way Brooklyn is maybe park slope was, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago or something. So, you know, we're talking, I'm 50. So we're talking, I was born in 1969. So the (laughs) seventies on the upper West side was sort of like the way park slope might've been in, 
I'm guessing the 80s. Uh-huh. No, no, the, like the, the more 90s. like the 90s or 2000s. Early 2000s yeah. early, I don't know. Anyway, it was more of a community. It was lots of small businesses. Your mom grew up in Brooklyn, right? My mom grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and she live She at? was in Flatbush, but right. like Flatbush is a huge neighborhood. So yeah. she was sort of out towards Sheepshead Bay. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, and my dad grew up in the Bronx. And he really <laughs> thought about his, I mean, he always throughout his life like thought about the South Bronx was like his Valhalla it was yeah. like <laughs> absolutely what he loved like this community um that he had in the Bronx back then yeah um and his old neighborhood and of course that neighborhood was destroyed no, in the 70s yeah yeah um, he took us back there once and there was not one person living on the block every scared, right? no every every building was burnt out yeah. there was no people I had a guest um, on the show a couple of weeks ago that grew up there in the 70s. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, probably, you know, right between our ages. Um, and uh, and he was talking about it. And it was burnt out. Yeah. But then he, he he's a very interesting figure, too, because he found he found just like this light out of the whole place, mm-hmm. too. You know, he was just one of those people that turned it into something really awesome. Yeah. And I've spent some time there, too. What where where he grew up? In, um, I'm trying to remember the exact street one. I want to say it was like 171st yeah, or something. Th- this is exactly what yeah. we're talking about. So Patty's roommate Can't in college exactly. grew up on 171st and White between Jerome and Grand Concourse. He grew up nearest to the Grand Concourse, yeah. but not as nice. Like he, he yeah, was no, on no. the other side of the tracks. <laughs> Grand of was Concourse nice. is the nice part. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe, maybe when he was there. Maybe well, he was we, in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. I mean, he, he was born in 34. So, so we used to hang out there starting in like the late 90s and poof. It was, it was yeah. a special place. But Jose grew up there in the 70s and him yeah. talked about it. I was like, yeah. when stuff was real. Yeah. But he still managed to find that kind of same, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, this is South Bronx. This, this, that's where it's at. He loved know? it. He yeah. loved it. He lives in Brooklyn now. Yeah, but. of course. <laughs> um, and my mom, maybe a little more complicated relationship with her your, childhood. Your mom's awesome. So, um, but yeah, I yeah. mean, she she grew up in uh, in, in Brooklyn and... Yeah. And your mom, she she owned her own business at a certain yeah, point, too, didn't yes. she? Yes. So um, it's interesting. I would say from that she did. She owned her own business um, at a certain point, and my stepfather has always worked um, freelance for himself, not mm-hmm. necessarily as an entrepreneur right. with anything brick and mortar, but he's a writer and always worked for himself. So they are both entrepreneurial people. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting because I'm thinking about sort of entrepreneurship and following your passion and all of that that you were talking about at the beginning. And it's interesting because none of the businesses that I've had are necessarily my passion in the terms of like, and I don't mean to say this in a weird way, but like wine is something that I love and I right. enjoy. It isn't my passion, you know, um, and neither. And I had my own event planning business, which good friend of mine still is operating. And so I love that part of the job, you know, I loved doing that job and working with her was amazing and, you know, planning all the events and food and wine. But again, it's not like event planning is my passion exactly. Right. And, you know, at Della, you know, I love good food. I love dining and all of that. But I think what, what my passion is, is figuring out where I fit into a community mm-hmm. and doing something that enhances it where and and I like to coordinate lots of different pieces of things and I love starting things. Mm-hmm. Um luckily I have you because I don't necessarily <laughs> love running and operating businesses for 10 years running although I do do certain things, you know, sure. that happen on on the regular basis but uh sure. but I've been lucky enough to meet you and you well, likewise. Do like doing those kind of things but I do. yeah, so my I think my passion is more about the creation of something that's for myself, but also for the other mm. people in the community and something that's really like a tether. Um, so that was always the goal, you yeah. know, like that's why when you say money was never the main goal, it's absolutely true. Like when we started juice box, you know, of course we need want to earn right. money. We didn't <laughs> want to lose money. Same with Della, but, um, it was always the intention of being like a neighborhood staple, mm-hmm of being a place where people could go in the neighborhood. I mean, we put a playhouse in a liquor store, for goodness sake, you know? Which so, is still there. Which is still there. It probably needs 
no to be rebuilt or oh, something. Maybe a little upgrade. But uh and same with Della. Like of course, you know, you want to have a great restaurant that people want to come to, but you I wanted it to be a place where the neighborhood felt comfortable and um the kind of place where I would want to go. Um right. you know uh, walking distance from where I lived and uh and that was always always the part of it. And same, you know, and, and really same with everything else that we've done, you know, starting back with, um, well, with TB Ackerson was a little bit different because we were really recruited to that neighborhood, right? Um, by the community, by the by, um, by Ross Jan- and Eileen. Well, no, actually, <laughs> so by Jan Rosenberg, who um, Jan Rosenberg is uh, an amazing person who lives in Dittmas Park, and she started the. It was like the business community for Flatbush, friends okay. of Flatbush, uh, no, friends of Cortelli Road. Right. And she did it to bring sort of um, small businesses that would be of interest to that area to Cortelli. And um, and she did it. And I forget how we got to know her, but she was like. Her name sounds familiar. I can't. Yeah. You've yeah. met Jan Rosenberg. There's no question you haven't. And um, so, Jan, if you happen to stumble upon this. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so she, she reached out to us and said, you know, I heard you're interested in opening a wine store. I think we'd love to have one on Cortelli road. She introduced us to the landlord. Mm -hmm. She introduced us around to the other community, uh, people in the community. And we were really, you know, um, part of, uh, you know, there were a few new businesses. Well, that was kind that of a revival time for Cortelli. Right, you know. right at that moment. Like there was the farm on Adderley opened a little bit before we did. Right. And the picket fence was open already. Picket fence was already open. And I was um, working there. Right. There was the that time. trailer park, the store that opened a little bit after. The trailer park. Yeah, it was a cool store. And uh, um, we can't forget uh, Vox Pop. Vox Pop <laughs> was there. That's right, Sander. Um, so we were like part of this little business community that mm. started. And it was really like these pieces fit together. There was like all of us were doing sort of different things and we really supported each other. Um, and it's exciting, too. And it was really, really fun. It was a mm-hmm. tiny little place. I'm right. sure you remember it well, yes. like three, maybe three, four hundred square feet. Um, and I think, you know, we did a great, you know, building that business was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we wanted to represent the community. We named it T.B. Ackerson because oh, yeah. T.B. Ackerson. Oh, yeah, I never knew why the name. Yeah, so T.B. Ackerson was, you know, all those beautiful houses in Dittmas yeah, Park. of course. So there were a few developers who, made, who, who designed and built those houses, and mm-hmm. T.B. Ackerson was one of them. Ah. And then, funny enough, people I know um, on Long Island and Fire Island, there is an Acker, Ackerson Realty mm-hmm. in Bayshore, which is T.B. Ackerson's descendants. Oh, wow. Yes. And um, people, I we know people in common. Mm-hmm. So they know that we named the store after their, whatever it was, grandfather, uncle, gotcha. I don't know who he was. Um, to them now, and we um, and we we named the store That's after cool. them, and it was interesting. So yeah. I haven't met them, but I I could figure out a way to do that. And the other thing that that you've spent a lot of time doing is uh, incorporating the community in your business names. You you go out of your way mm-hmm, to identify. Mm-hmm with your community by looking into the history, things like right. that, understanding, right. yeah. um, you know, where, where people are coming from and, and, and really foundationally what's a part of the community, not just yeah. what's, what's on the surface, really trying to get inside of that. And I, and I think, you know, not everybody loves that and not everybody puts that time in, but right. it always, it always impressed me. I was always really, it, it was important. And in yeah. TB Ackerson, we actually made an effort to have, um, like, we went out and we found like these Victorian light fixtures mm-hmm. and so it represented the era. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And, and some other sort of well, you details. Had, you had a very good eye for that. Fortunately, because I'm like, yeah, this is where blind. we balance each other out a little bit. Yeah, no. I'm like lights. Do yeah. we have to have lights? What about right. just like regular light like, bulbs? Just having a bulb. Like, you're like, no. like, no. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that was one of the things we did. We've since sold those business, that business, two mm. people in the community who live right near right. there, and they've moved it mm-hmm. um, down the block, and it's Kings County Wines, and I, they seem to be doing yeah. great, and very happy for them. And you know, so that was nice too. So when we handed that business off, right. we didn't just 
you know, it went to people who also were invested in that community. And we're going to carry on the legacy. And we're going to carry it on. And they're doing their own thing. I didn't expect them to, it's not a shrine to what we did. And it needed to be upgraded a little at that point. But, um, but yeah, I'm really happy that it's like kind of stayed in the hands of, you know, people who really care about the neighborhood and the community. And then, then we also opened Juicebox and, um, and that was just, you know, such a leap of faith in a way because Prospect Avenue didn't have a whole lot on there at that point. It still doesn't. Right. You know, it was really, yeah, <laughs> it was really I mean, skinny at that point. Right. So there was Cynthia King where my daughter went to dance school for, um, I don't know. She went for many years and yeah. now Della's actually going to the C- Cynthia King since move, but Della's now at Cynthia yeah, King. Yeah. And it's funny cause Quinn still comes with me when she's able to, to drop her off. And you know, it's like Cynthia's always like, Oh my God, Quinn. And it's honestly, I feel like that was such a big part of, of she was such a big part of the community and such a great mm-hmm. influence on the kids who yeah. do dance there. I mean, I just really just respect her program and, what she's done. So, um, so my daughter loved it. And, and then there was just not a whole lot on prospect Ave. So we opened a wine store on a basically deserted corner with no foot traffic. I mean, the subway is nearby, so that was good. And we were just like, no, we think the community is going to like this. We think the community is going to want it. And, and it really, and that's been really good. And, and we didn't, um, and so then, you know, we built the 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 house really for our kids because we were right. like, we're going to be spending <laughs> a lot of time there here, and we need a place for them to be occupied. Um, and uh, and we sort of saw it as like this family friendly <laughs> place, even though it sells wine and liquor. We are talking about a liquor store. Yes, yes. Not the liquor is not family friendly, but the vibe is family friendly. And then once Johnny came. It was very dog friendly too, so he made it also right. extremely dog friendly, um, uh, which may not have been our first our instinct. Right, Elliot's very allergic. Um. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a short break. We'll come back and talk more about being dog friendly. Ruff ruff. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. We'll see you in a few. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And we're back. Happy Friday, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Jane Renner. And we were just talking on the last segment about uh, building businesses within communities and especially starting in communities where there, where there either wasn't much, where, where the area we participated the most in has been on uh, Prospect Avenue in Brooklyn uh, just before, you know, this funky little 
intersection of, <laughs> of Brooklyn yeah. where, you know, Coney Island Avenue begins, the Prospect Expressway ends and, you know, Prospect Park is right there. And it's it's in a way it's kind of, a, it, you know, it used to be the end of Brooklyn before uh, oh. like Flatbush was its own village. Right, right, when, right. I think it was like 1898 or whatever. And, you know. Brooklyn was like, no, right. we're not part of New York City. We're no, our own it was its thing. own city yeah. until, I mean, my mom was a kid, I think. Oh, really? Well, I maybe. think it was still its own city back so then. Maybe I'm a little bit wrong on apparently that. Apparently, Terrace. I'll have to look it up. Terrace Ave was, that was Terrace the end. Terrace Place, yeah. That was the end. <laughs> that was wow. like the end of Brooklyn. So and, then, and then the rest was Flatbush. And then the rest was Flatbush. That's, that's what my mom always says. She was, yeah. like, she was like, when I was a kid, it was just Flatbush. Like, yeah. There were none of these little neighborhoods that oh, you yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah. There was like... She was like, there were a few little neighborhoods that you could recognize, but then most of Brooklyn was just called Flatbush. Right. Like everything after a certain point, it was just Flatbush. There were no other land. neighborhoods. <laughs> were there farms? No. A friend of mine, though, one of my neighbors <laughs> grew up in Brownsville, and and she like she just retired. She's not you know she's not walking around with a cane or anything. She's she's. Still got some some youth in her, but she remembers yeah. as a I kid. I can't wait till you're old, <laughs> Jeremiah, because you're so ageist. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I act younger than I am. It's going to hit me one day. It's you gonna are hit me old. hard. What are you? Forty-two. Okay. Almost forty-three. I'm young. I'm a baby. <laughs> um, I just act like one sometimes. Um, but she was saying uh, that she remembers as a kid Brownsville being. It was, she was like it was just farms, you know, yeah, so no so buildings weird. and stuff. So you know, it wasn't um, not that far off. But but it is interesting that that. Oh yeah, that guy who fixed my stove talked about taking horses out to Coney Island. Oh yeah. Island. yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Vinny, He's he tells old. great <laughs> stories for any Windsor Terrace people. Get your show fixed. If you can get him to show up. He he stood me up three times. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But um, but yeah, it's, it's funny that that Terrace place was the uh, the end of the line. And that's kind of where we spent most of our time. And, and so it kind of has that feeling. You're like at the end of the line, the, the F and the G stop at at Fort Hamilton right there. And everything we do is is kind of right, right above it. Well, but it's it was it it's been exciting. And I remember, you know, I was part of the Cortell you thing, too, because I was working for Graham Meyerson right, when he right. first opened mm-hmm, up. And he mm-hmm. was one of the this was before the farm opened up. And I worked for Sander briefly. Um, but uh, they both were like the first two to put a, you know, a right. coffee shop and a and a and a chef owned restaurant in a strip that really just had like a bunch of bodegas and, and funky relics from the past, which were all, you know, they had value in the community yeah. as well, but it was a, it was a clear shift in the tide in terms of uh, the business community. And that was exciting to me. Right. And then when the same thing happened on prospect Ave, yeah. it was even more exciting because yeah. that was our neighborhood and we got mm-hmm, to participate mm-hmm. in it in a, in a particular way. And, um, and that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and to, to that note, you know, if you wander down prospect Avenue, between Vanderbilt and Greenwood in Windsor Terrace. And for that matter, if you if you wander down Fort Hamilton between East 2nd and East 5th, you know, small business community, less than 20 businesses uh, in each, each of those sections, but the majority of them are locally owned. That's true. Which is... That's true. It changes the way the businesses interact within the community when you just have anonymous business owners there's less accountability and there's just so much more accountability for the business people but also for the for the for the neighbors for the yeah, community the, that's the very true i hadn't really thought of that I, I have to because i live right there too so well, we know i'm i'm constantly <laughs> in the uh in, in the crosshairs um i happen to love it but if if you didn't if you don't love constant communication that constant interaction yeah. and that constant accountability it can definitely be tough it can be heavy but if you do love it it can really turn in i think to to be one of the most amazing relationships yeah. I've, I've built relationships really that way uh that that have defined my life and my happiness and and it's it's been phenomenal uh so i i think it's recommended you have to have the right the right thickness of skin Mm -hmm. and the right dna to do that but uh but I think the end result and, and, you know, we're still in the middle of it, but I so far has been great. And I think it's I got I got plans, yeah. got aspirations. Well, it's funny because like I'm thinking about sort of Windsor Terrace and opening up a business there. And, and that's where we wanted to open a business you right. know, when we opened Juicebox. And then well, I always want we've never really like had this discussion. Like, what was it? you because you opening the wine store opening the juice box you were a pioneer like there was 
Yeah. There was nothing else of that we caliber. Really like wanted it. I don't, you know, it's funny to think back and figure out like what was going through my mind when it, <laughs> when we did it. But yeah, like, no, it was, it was like, we wanted it and we really for better and sometimes for worse took a lot of opportunities that came our way, mm-hmm. um, right. just because they came our way. Right. So sometimes it was like that. Although, um, I've been a part of some of those opportunities. I know. So, um, so, you know, and we just really had kind of a, a vision for, for what the neighborhood could be Mm -hmm. and what we wanted it to be for ourselves. Um, and, and for, for our neighbors. Right. Um, so, um, so we, we, we did really actively sort of pursue that space. And actually what happened was, I'll tell you what happened. I'm just thinking back. So Rosalie, who owned mm-hmm. the building that juice box is in back then, um, she and, um, what was his name? Carlos. Yep. They ran the laundromat right. that was in the corner space, which is now Senna. Um, and when the laundromat closed, we went after that space hard. The we, corner space, right. yeah. And it, and Rosalie told us we could rent that space, and um, we were going to open a restaurant there. And gotcha. we even had plans drawn up. We were, we had found a buyer for the laundry machines. I mean, we had done a lot of work to sort of get that space that was Brooklyn Commune for a long time for a restaurant, and um, and. And for whatever reason, Rosalie, um, who you know I became friendly with, was like, "No, you can't have it." And we freaked out on her because we'd like put in all this effort into typical, the typical commercial landlord behavior. Yeah, so we put put in all this effort into <laughs> into creating a vision for that space. And then um, she was like, "Well, fine, you can have the other space, like right next door, the juice box space." Right. She was like, I'll, "I'll give you that space," because we were just like, I was so so mad, you know, mm. like and upset. And that's not me; like I am not confrontational right. at all. Um, and so we took that space and so we were like, well, we can't open a restaurant right. here. It's too small. too small and it didn't, it had no sort of infrastructure. For right. that. And we're like, well, There's a bathroom. we'll open a wine store, you know? And so, and you already had TV. And we already, we, yeah. we already had experience in that. We mm-hmm. had expertise in that. We had knowledge of it. It wasn't like out of the blue, yeah. but, um, but that was kind of how it happened in a funny way. And so, Gotcha. And so we just were given that space. So you were really pursuing something else. We were pursuing something and this, else. And yeah. we were like, you know what? This is the way to go. We'll, Shift we'll gears. just do this. Yeah. And it took us a, a while. Um, so <laughs> um, so we did that. But, uh, but I want to talk about the neighborhood more sort of unrelated to businesses. Because yeah. I think it really speaks to sure, how the can, businesses fit in. We can get to that point. Right. Um, before we take our next break... Uh, I just wanted to, you, you had mentioned something earlier about opportunities coming your way and just taking them kind of because just kind of list some of your, and and I think this is, this is, this is at the core of what entrepreneurship is, is being willing to take risks even at a financial loss, but just to see, like you've never, you never lost your home, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you've maintained that, but so your, your first your first venture was TV actress and wine TV merchants Ackerson. on Cortell yeah. U. Mm-hmm. Your second was... Well, wait a minute. Remember the original Nanny Goat Hill in the Crossroads Yeah, yeah, space? no. But we didn't... Oh, that was after. Yeah, yeah, that's after. So okay. it, was, it was TV actress and wine merchants on Cortell U. Then Juicebox was next. You invested in a wine distribution company. Sort of, Sort yeah. of. Then there was... We did a pop-up in a now defunct coffee shop that is now a bar, which is interesting because we did a pop-up bar, wine and, and cheese bar. Um, yeah, just, and you did the cooking. Yeah, I did you the cooking. The and, like I don't know, that was cooking. It was they had it was a good. They had a flat top and a and not a, it was like a little flip lid oven, but we made it happen. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was tasty. It was fun. I remember that squid that you made. Oh yeah, it was really the, good. We, did, we did it at Della not too long that ago. Squid. We got that beautiful squid too. It was great. Um, and then. The Prospector Beer and Cheese Shop, the Fox and the Crepes Coffee Shop, an Espresso Bar, Della. Am I missing anything? Um, Because those are all risky. Those are all, and some of them are not with us anymore. Some Um, of them didn't didn't make it. Did I leave anything out in terms of just like those investment opportunities that came your way, where you were just like business? Not Mm -hmm, you don't have to tell mm -hmm. us about your portfolio or real estate or anything like that, but just in terms of. business opportunities that came your way and you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to try this out and see what happens. Totally. Yeah. That's really what we did. And it was, um, so did I leave any out or is that, 
the gist of it. I think that's the gist. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. Um, and that was always impressive to me, like being younger in the business uh, community, seeing you just say, you know what, uh, let's just see. And I'm going like, what's going to happen? And you're like, I don't yeah. know. Let's just try. And I'm like, okay, I mean, let's look, go. There's, there's a luxury to be able to do that. Sure. You know, and sure. one of those luxuries f- for, for us is a think now it's a little bit different but we didn't worry that much about money back then and what part of that is having a little bit of it you know so knowing like we would still be able to eat and yeah and pay keep the lights on if if we lost a little you know so so there is a luxury to that Mm -hmm. you know of being able to do that and not everybody can so I feel lucky that that I've had those opportunities to to not worry as much and this isn't you know not to say we have tons of it but I guess we had I don't know. I guess we felt comfortable enough yeah. to be able to do it without, without so much worry. Yeah. But um, and so I think you know you could have to recognize that that like yeah. there's a lot of factors. It's and not it just your personality and where you are. It's but your but it was also your priorities. It was our priorities. And you, were, you were like, and I'm also not a be- we're neither. I'm not afraid of that kind of right. thing for whatever reason. I don't know why, but there's something in me that mm-hmm. is willing to take those kind of risks. Um, that you know, a lot of other people aren't. And, um, you know, so that's great. Well, we're going to take a break. Okay. No risk right now. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back with you in a few minutes. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. (laughs) You're listening to the talking alternative network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Never taking it too seriously. Life's too short. Got to have fun. Welcome back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Jane Miller-Rennert. Jane Rennert. Yes. Jane Miller-Rennert. Either Jane one. Miller, whatever. It's fine. Be who you want. You can be who you want. It's radio. I know. Be who you want. Um, <laughs> so you wanted to talk about the community that you've put these businesses up in uh, and not just the businesses themselves, right. which I think is really important. And prior, so prior to that, what did you do? What led you up? Because a lot of what you've done has been in, in regards to hospitality, food and beverage mm-hmm, and events mm-hmm. where like post college, like your career, what, right. did you, what did you study in school? I studied um, developmental psychology, which is re- oh. really interesting and family um uh, like child psychology and wow. family like, interrelationships, which is really interesting. <laughs> we'll get to that at I the end. <laughs> have a job and I work for uh, uh, an in, the, a family therapy institute and specifically the gender and family yeah. project, which works with 
around gender inclusivity and supporting um, transgender and gender. So you just took a little abuse. hiatus. So it's really interesting that I've come. You were like to family psychologists mm-hmm, gotta eat. Mm-hmm. I got good in restaurants. That's like yeah, me. Like yeah, I got good of. in restaurants because I studied music. But right. Musicians gotta eat. Right. So right. so how did it kind of start and lead up to you owning your own businesses in food and beverage? Yeah. So um so right you know more. Right out of college, I, I really I worked in restaurants. That's what I did. I was right. a waitress at a few places in New York, um, and um, and I I started to sort of enjoy that, um, and I really enjoyed kind of food service and started getting into wine and mm-hmm. you know all that other things and that kind of life. And then um, and then I wound up getting a job at the New York Restaurant School, which is now defunct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a pastry class while I was there because we could take classes for free, um, which was really fun. I mean, was like what were you doing there? I was doing alumni placement. So okay. I, I've always worked in like interpersonal mm-hmm. connecty ways, you know, like a lot of what I've done has been about, you know, working with different groups of people and connecting them and making, the and making those connections. And a lot of it's like sort of intuitive and interpersonal stuff, mm-hmm. which I've I guess I'm good at. I don't know. So, um, so that's what I was doing. So I was like working with their alumni, helping them to find jobs. Um, I knew what it. I sort of knew the ethos of the restaurant mm-hmm. business, and so a lot of these were restaurant jobs. Sometimes they were, um, you know, corporate dining or right. things like that. Um, but uh, so I worked there for a couple years. I actually met Elliot while I was there. My husband, um, he was doing their like restaurant management program and he, oh, okay. he managed restaurants for many years right. like high-end sommelier general manager type places in new york um before uh doing what he's doing now but anyway so we so then i went from there and i just i took like a real leap of faith and i went and worked at the james beard foundation on a freelance basis back then that's how everyone worked there right it's like a bunch of freelancers in a room and um and that was a really incredible experience so i was writing i was doing event planning i just loved that world so yeah. much and then while i was there i met a lot of incredible people um one of whom is my friend siobhan and we started an event planning company together so and we kept james beard as a client so it was really your first yeah your first thing yeah gotcha. and kept james beard as a client and and actually I left the event planning business, but Siobhan now works as the vice president of special events for James Beard. Oh, wow. So it's interesting. So she's come full circle, too. Yeah. Um, I might be getting the title a little bit wrong, but yeah. And so um, so I went and worked there for a few years, um, and that was really great. Um, then I took a long break where I was doing freelance work with Siobhan and with other um, organizations doing... Um, special events. So I was like an event planner mm-hmm. for a lot of like festivals. Like I worked on like the Foxwoods Food and Wine Festival and this big festival called Flavor Napa Valley I worked on for two or three years. Um, I worked on one in Atlantic City where I was doing like, uh, yeah, all planning different aspects of it, doing uh, either the wine events or sometimes the food event. You know, it depends. I was just hired as an event planner. I did. I worked on the New York City Wine and Food Festival for years mm-hmm. as a freelancer. I did all their wine seminars and then I used to do, I did a couple bigger events and then some smaller dinners. Like there's like tons of events that are part of that. So there's like a whole crew of event planners who work on that. So I was taking a break in the sense that I didn't have a, a job job, but I was doing a lot of freelance work all, so all through those forging years. your own path was yeah. never an issue for you. You were no. like, hey, I've got to All through this out. those years. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere in there, we st- I started to open the businesses too. And mm. the great thing about freelancing um, and having your own businesses is that you can make those things work together because you have a lot of flexibility. Um, so I was able to sort of make those things um, work together. And then I st- always stepped away from the day-to-day operations of the businesses once they were sort of, you know, sort right. of up and running. And that's kind of where you came into the picture a- in a way. But um, but I think that's, that's also very quintessential to... Uh, to entrepreneurship is your ability to build a business that can sustain itself without your daily involvement. Right. So that one, you can either continue to grow that business right. in other ways, open another business, do right. the same thing, and also just pursue right. some of your own passions. And, right. And I think if you're not doing that, Sam and I have talked about this at length. If you know, there's the idea of working at your company right. or working for your right. company. Right. And that's you know, and that's very true. Yeah. And you need 
to be able to do that, mm-hmm. right? There's that the E Myth that book, and oh, I love it. I love the E Myth. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say I want to get back to something we Go were talking it. about in the yeah. break because mm-hmm. I think it's important. Absolutely. Because I feel like a lot of people who talk about entrepreneurship or you know whatever having good ideas um, and and making something that's you know both financially or somehow you know successful in certain in some way. There's a way that um, I think we as a culture value or put put a lot of emphasis on individual achievement. Mm. And what I was saying before is like not being risk averse and having a good idea about, you know, kind of business that would succeed. I don't want to give myself a whole lot of credit for that. There's a lot of things that, you know, sort of systemic societal things that made me able to take these risks, you know? So it's not that I'm some special person necessarily. Well, um, you are. But, but no, but I mean, I feel like there are systems that, like, I don't know. I just had a community. Like you said, I had a community around me that I felt would help me. So if right. I lost a little money, if I lost some money or I was in tight spot, like there were people that I felt like I could count on mm-hmm. to help me out. And, and that is a huge thing that not a lot of people have. Um, or not everyone has, I should say. And so that it's really important to remember that it's not like individuals who are necessarily so successful. It's having good ideas and executing them well, but it's also having like the systemic privilege to be able to pursue them. Yeah. And so I definitely had that in a lot of different ways. So I just, I just want to be, be clear about that. And all the way down even to your staff. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, if you like don't you can't ha- handle it, hand it off and not right. like what you were saying is like being able to sort of hand it off and let other people kind of take the reins. You can only do that if you have the good luck of having Jeremiah be the person that's handling the day to day who, you know, is and having that communication and being able to to feel confident that mm. that that things are going to go well. So so there's a lot of it's that. And not sides. everybody. And, yeah. and then also, I mean. Not every business has the ability to pay a good staff. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, that's another thing. It's like we were fortunate enough to have enough coming in to pay good people to be there, you know, and well, stay you, for years and but years. But you've so. also, especially, you know, you and I have had this discussion a lot about about employee pay and how much you value yeah. that they, like, you should be able to take care of them. They sh- it should not be a minimum wage gig. Even if it's yeah. minimum wage skills, you've always given you've always given the staff the benefit of the doubt. You've always like more so than I wanted to. You're like, no, we should do this, and I've learned from that, mm-hmm. and and I've put it. And in I the, wish it could be more. Sure, I mean honestly, me too. like me I too. just so so. But I get, I, I have to say that. that I learned that lesson from you because I grew up under you know I came up in the business community under people who were like pay the bare minimum you know yeah. unless there's that one person that really stands out like you take care of them but everybody else. And, and you took a different approach. And, and once I started to put it into practice, I, there were obvious benefits to it. You know, yeah. obviously, no, everybody didn't work out. But a lot of the people after taking that approach, it paid back so it much. It does. And, uh, and it, it, it does. really shifted my uh, my thinking in, in terms of that. And yeah, that was something only you kind of put in, in on my radar. But what's funny is since you did that, I started to hear like, you know, uh, you know, more uh, kind of prolific and and uh, famous business people talk about that. And I'm like, oh, well, you did that. I started doing it because of you. They're doing that. They're saying, no, you get results this way. I'm like, OK, this yeah. is this is a move in the right direction. Instead right. of thinking about pennies, you know, thinking more of the long of term, the long and, term. And, and taking care of people and just like removing, you know, like you said, not patting yourself on the back too much and saying like, this is me. Rah, rah, rah. It's like. This is us. I'm going to fold you all in. Hopefully one day, you know, I get what I want too. But, yeah. but really, like, you yeah. always stress that to me. Like, take care of them first and then, you know, think yeah. about yourself later. And I hope we do that. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's hard. We do and we're getting better. It's But it's something that you, it is hard. And it's something you always have to chisel away at. And you, you know, anytime you, you take you add one thing, it's coming from somewhere else. So you just have to negotiate yeah. that and make sure you're, you know, you're, you're dotting your T's and crossing your I's the other way. <laughs> I know. Yeah. This is my new thing. That's how I'm saying it now because, uh, it, it engages people. And nobody and, writes with a 
pen and paper anymore anyway, so oh, it's not like you have to worry Even when I do, it. it's really bad. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one more short break. We'll be back with you in a few minutes. You're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Jane Rennert. What's up, Eugene? Keep your dog away from me. <laughs> His dog, it was my fault. I was skateboarding by them on the street, and I stopped you to say hi. skateboard? Dude, what are you, man, 12? Come on. In, my, in my mind, yes. And in parts of my body. Other parts are like, you're not 12 anymore, dude. Stop doing that. But I did. I, well, I had to get to the co-op to do inventory and get back real quick before uh, either teaching jujitsu or something. I can't remember. And so I'm flying down Greenwood Ave and he's got this interesting kind of pit uh, British bulldog mix. But I know the dog. He's like super chill. He did not like my skateboard. And this dog, he just he only got my shoe, but he got my shoe. Wow. In like pit like fashion. And I'm like, ah, you know, and Eugene kind of smacked him and he let me go. It was, it was harmless, but scared scared the shit out of there you go up. oh brenda monzi's on what's up hi. say hi to brenda hi brenda how hi. are you community um, so all these people are from our yeah community. and i feel like brenda will probably relate to one thing i wanted to say about go the community yeah. which is that um you know it's interesting like i think like things happen and then if you look at them with a little hindsight you kind of realize um things about them so i really do feel like for my older kids, Charlie and Quinn, growing up in Windsor Terrace was like this absolutely magical yeah. neighborhood and magical I, place. And I'm sure you feel that with, with your kids. Yeah. And it's like, it really, really, really is. And, um, and, and they just like, I just think about snow days and I think about, um, just being in the park until, you know, seven o'clock at night on a Friday mm -hmm. and just all of these knowing everyone with in the bottle. neighborhood, feeling, <laughs> feeling with a bottle of a uh, make on village, Brenda, in <laughs> <laughs> um, <And> your stroller. <laughs> yeah. And feeling um, and just feeling like they were at least reasonably safe on the streets because yeah. there were so many people that they knew. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've called upon you to pick up my kids right. at school. Well, that's, you know, like, it, was it, like, it doesn't take long, right? Like, you put that, they put that APB out like, right. I need help. And like right. 10 people are like, like an unintentional, like babysitting co-op yeah. where you could like, yeah. you know, sort of text out like I'm running late. Somebody get my kids. And it would always work out. And it was just, it was really like a special, special, yeah. special time and place. Um, it, and it still is. And, and it gives that's one of the things that really fuels me, you know, uh, every day to just get up. And like I said, I hit the streets and there are people out there and yeah. we start talking. You yeah. know, it's just it's all about what's happening. And, right. and I really love it. I love to and be in it. And it's like midnight before I get home. Sometimes part of something yeah. feels good. And, fantastic. and that's just to weave it in, like yeah. being part of a community. Um, I don't 
know that I realized how important it was to me until I was part of one that yeah. was so concrete same, in that same way. Here. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so ha- then having a business, or you're even you're not more part of the community, but like you you're are. a more visible <laughs> part of the community. Right. Right. Um, and well, so you, you, but your businesses have given significantly. Well, we always that was always yeah. we were like we are a community place. These people who come in here are our neighbors. Every school that's in the neighborhood, if they're doing a fundraiser, like even or whatever. beyond the neighborhood, it's like gotten to the point now where it's like, oh, you're a school. Oh, you're a music organization that teach yeah. children and you need a case of wine. Like not don't sure. take it. Don't take advantage <laughs> right. of it. Um, oh, Julie's watching. Hi. too. Hi, Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah so we extensive giving to the community, like basically any kind of benevolent organization that need a little hand. We do it all the time. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, like I recently so three years ago, um, I started working. Um, so let's yeah, let's talk about what you're doing now. Right. So you build all these businesses, which is another very entrepreneurial thing. You build these businesses, and then you're like, I'm going to keep them, but I'm going to go do something else. So what have you? That's, what have you? That's chosen pretty much to what I've done. Now? And um, and so I really, at a certain point, um, really wanted to make a change and work in um, the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. and sort of like go back to what that. I felt like my roots were, which was yeah. like this kind of. I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. You don't but have to. That's what I wanted yeah. to do. So <laughs> I started working three years ago for the Gender and Family Project, which is an organization that's part of the Ackerman Institute that supports uh, transgender and gender expansive youth and their families around family right. acceptance. And really, a lot of the core of that organization is community. Mm-hmm. Because as we, anyone who is listening to this who's a parent knows, like having community around parenting, around caregiving children is like, really crucial it's where you get so much information it's where you get so much support it's where you get so much sanity or if you're a business owner and or as a business owner really in any anything, realm yes, of your life yes. having a community who mm-hmm. understands what you're experiencing is important so the um hi julie the uh, uh and family is very important too uh, especially amazing sisters-in-laws well, so but I, wait go ahead go ahead so so what gfp also does is cultivate that community for people who right. are experiencing something similar mm-hmm. having to do with their just family in yeah. terms of going through, you know, either gender transition or gender questioning or whatever it is. And so families and youth can build their own community around that. And it's so powerful. Like mm-hmm. it is such a powerful model and it's so necessary and needed and really important. So I feel like it in a way ties in Absolutely. to a lot of um, to a lot of other things we've done. It yeah. d- directly affects my family and it directly affects a lot of people that I know and care about. So mm-hmm. so it's super important, um, I think, to have that. And so I'm, I'm working there now. And it's interesting because now. You know, there was another organization that was doing an event and it was like Thanksgiving, like a friend Thanksgiving thing. And I don't want to go into too, too much yeah. detail, but I was like, let me send a case of wine. And they were like, what? Right. And I was like, no, 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 this is easy for me and right. I want to do it. <laughs> you know, and they were like, wow, you're going to give give wine to her Thanksgiving. I was like, any time, yeah. you know, because this is my community now. Part of my com- you know, I have more than one community, but this is right. You are part of my community. I want to su- this is not a hard thing for me to do and and support in this way. So people think it's very special, but it feels right, which is great. And you it, know? one theme I keep hearing from from some some high level uh, business personalities is giving without expectation. So being that we're in yeah. the business world, we're used to transaction based relationship totally. where it's like I give you this in exchange right. for right. But when you and and obviously you can't do this all the time. Even no. even nonprofit, you have to <laughs> you expect to get something back. But um, but to be able to give, just give and just be like, don't worry about it. And it the payoff for that can be tremendous. Yeah, and as you well. th- and I think about it because like I can't give a big donation to every organization that right. is doing great work and there's so many mm-hmm. um whether it's around, you know, gender gender tra- you know supporting trans rights or a million other causes right. that I also support. Whatever, exactly, yeah. You know, um so I can't do that, but I can give a case of wine pretty easily. Right. And so I'm so happy to do it when I can. Um and it's it's that's, not a no, that, that's it's not again, a hard thing. And then one and of the things that always impressed me. It's funny, me about like you. Julie will knows that, and and she's acted on this too. That like we've done it. Her, her father, who owns the gallery space in uh, Chel- in uh, Chelsea, um, 
he always lets us do you do these school fundraisers in mm. his space. So for every school that one of Julie's kids have gone to or in every school that, you know, our kids have gone to, we've done these events and, you know, building community in that way too. So, um, so that's also been really fun. So we do these wine tasting events um, and then uh, it's fundraiser for the school and it's super fun. Elliot's doing one tonight for ice right. where Patty teaches Charlie doesn't even go there anymore, but both of my kids went there, um, and uh, and we're still supporting ICE, you know, because right. that was a huge a huge and, thing for us. So Elliot's one fifty four and one fifty four, we know. still do it, and yeah. um, and so like that's important too. Right, but you're and in so a we're culture, roping everyone into right. our our community and into that kind of. But support. your 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 extended network supports it too, like like Jack Renner being like, yeah. Use, yeah. use the space. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, for and like a school the fundraiser value and goes way up for everybody. Yeah. And it's just, and, and that for him is like, I think he's able to do that. He right. feels like that's something he's able to give. You know, he's. Right. You can, you, know, you can only give what you can give. You can give. And he has yeah. this beautiful space and he's like, you, you want to use it and raise money for a good cause? Do it. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, there's like a generosity there mm-hmm. that where he isn't also, you know, he isn't expecting anything right. that comes right. back from it. And he's just doing it that's because amazing. it's something he's able yeah. to do. And that's how I feel it's about, you know, so that's a good, can, that's a really good, we're going to have to wrap it up and, and we'll start to gear our, our thoughts and, and, uh, ideas towards that. I mean, coming off of the tale of Thanksgiving, that's just like. Yeah. It's a great way to, you know, people celebrate Thanksgiving. They're like, oh, this is the time we need to remember. But it's like, you should do this all the time. You know, totally. just like make the sacrifices. Uh, you know, we've certainly Or figure out it. the way that you can yeah. give right. back just without be- it being a sacrifice, you know? And right. like, we're just. I mean, it's always like, like a something. Like I said earlier, anytime you, yes. you take one, you know, add one thing, it's coming from something else. But it, like, if it's just a little bit of time or a little bit of money or a little bit of product, like, mm-hmm. no big deal. Like, try exactly. to find, just try to find that way to make those connections. Uh, if you are in business and you want to do this for a long time, which I hope all of you do. That's a really great approach. You know, you have to have the transaction based approach to to, you know, to survive. But uh, but try to fold this this idea in. If, you know, is there something you can no. say? To, oh, you can do it. Just you told me this was going to happen. And now I'm stressed imagine, out. I like, really I really what, I really don't. Just your, me- your <laughs> core message to it doesn't even have to be so much about business, because for I feel like for you, it's your mode of existence. And then you do business. Mm-hmm. So like what's at the core of you that you just want to share that has helped you in all of these things? 30 seconds. Go start a lot of things. Good. Nice. Start a lot of things. Um, and one thing to keep in mind as you start a lot of things so you don't lose your shit and uh, <laughs> get nasty with people. How do you keep it cool and like putting other people first? What's yeah. like your core? What What do you think about when you're I like, think you I'm have to be p- decent? I mean, it's like a very like cliche thing to <laughs> right. say, but you treat people the way you want to be treated. You have a, Perfect. you know, you're humble and very important. There we go. Here's don't the be fire. judgmental. Ah, yes. So many people are so judgmental about things and like, you know, you can't think that what you're doing is better than what anybody else right. is doing. Like, you know, I almost sometimes I'm like, we're a new wave of business, but there were other businesses there yeah. and there are, you know, like a bodega is a good business, right? you know, right. and a very a benefit a to a community. Like opening a, a shishi wine store isn't, isn't better than that. Right. It's part of that. Don't don't judge everybody else, but also don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Got to be good to you. You know? All right. We're going to have to end with that, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll check in with you next week. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. Take it easy. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. 
fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 